This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. Linda Cohen here along with you. Well, an estimated 5.3 million Americans of all ages have Alzheimer's disease in 2015. And it now ranks as the sixth cause of death in the United States. Research into the causes and possible cures for this disease are crucial. And joining us from his office in San Francisco to discuss his role in this all-important research is Dr. Michael Weiner, a professor of radiology and biomedical imaging, medicine, psychiatry, and neurology at the University of California, San Francisco. Welcome, Dr. Weiner. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. So I understand that currently you are the principal investigator of the Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative, which is the largest observational study in the world concerning Alzheimer's disease. Well, I mean, things really have changed in the area of neurodegenerative disease research since your days as a medical student here at Upstate Medical University. Tell us a little bit about this study or this project, and also about your journey and what led you to this kind of research. Sure. Well, 50 years ago, I was just graduating and received my uh, medical degree at Upstate Medical Center in Syracuse, and it was there that I really developed a strong interest in doing scientific research uh, because I realized that a doctor who takes care of patients has an impact on those patients, but By doing research, one can have a greater impact on the population if one can help find a better way to diagnose or treat a disease. So I decided to go into research, and I had many different projects. And then about 35 years ago, I learned about something which became MRI. And I was fortunate to become one of the doctors who very early on started using MRI and experimenting with it, trying to figure out what you could do with MRI. And then about 25 years ago, I decided to focus on Alzheimer's disease to use MRI for the diagnosis. And uh, since that time, the field of Alzheimer's has become very important and very impactful because the population is getting older and millions of people have Alzheimer's and the rate of growth of this disease is huge. And currently, as everybody knows, there really is no treatment for Alzheimer's disease, which is the major cause of dementia. So, the, about, about 10 years ago, uh, it was clear that uh, treatments that might slow the course of Alzheimer's disease were being developed, but we needed better ways to diagnose the patient. And I conceived of this project called the Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative, or ADNI, as a way of standardizing and optimizing various diagnostic tests, including MRIs and uh, PET scans and other kinds of tests, so we've enrolled over a thousand subjects across the country, and they get all kinds of tests. And we follow people longitudinally. Uh, we study normal, healthy elders in their 70s and 80s, people with mild impairments, and people with dementia due to Alzheimer's disease. So, what exactly are you looking for using the MRI? And you're using the MRI in PET as well. What are you looking for? What are you finding? Is, the, is it an effort mostly for diagnosis, or is there something beyond that? The overall goal is to optimize what we call biomarkers, which would include MRI and PET, blood tests, and other kinds of tests, for use in clinical trials to determine the effectiveness of treatments for Alzheimer's disease. So when you do a clinical study with a new treatment to see if it helps people, you need to identify people who are at risk for the disease. You don't want to treat people who don't have Alzheimer's disease 
You only want to treat people who really have the Alzheimer's process going on in their brain. And you can't detect that just by talking to somebody. You need to do a scan or some kind of a test to detect the presence of the Alzheimer's pathology in the brain. And what we're doing is trying out a number of different methods that measure the presence of Alzheimer's disease in the brain and determine if these methods predict who's going to decline, have problems with their memory, and ultimately go into dementia. Because it's those people who are at risk to decline who you want to treat to prevent their decline. Are you also doing, um, are you also using these same measures or same methods to do monitoring of treatment over time? Exactly. We use the methods when the people come into the study, and I should say that I'm a patient myself. I'm a volunteer in the study because we need normal, healthy people in the study as well as people with dementia and people with memory problems. We study people at what we call baseline. That is the first, the first time they come. And then every year people come back, and we follow them as long as possible. I've myself been in the study for more than 10 years. So every year I go to the clinic, and I have an MRI scan and a PET scan. I have all kinds of tests with my memory and how well I can think and so forth. And um, these tests are difficult. And sometimes I wonder, wow, I'm really not uh, remembering as well as I did when I was younger. But that's also something that's just associated with the normal aging process. So, so some of your listeners who are in their 60s or 70s, they, they're noticing that their brains are not quite as sharp as they were when they were in their 20s and 30s. And that's not cause for concern. That's a normal aging process. Alzheimer's disease, though, accelerates that process and starts to cause real problems with day-to-day function. And we need to figure out how we identify those people at the earliest stage possible so they could be enrolled in a study to prevent the disease. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with neuroradiologist and Alzheimer researcher, Dr. Michael Weiner. We're talking about Alzheimer's disease. So I guess the question is, what are the kinds of things that you're seeing in terms of neuroimaging that says to you, this patient has Alzheimer's disease? Um, the big impact is that it's been known for, for it's been known for a century that Alzheimer's disease is caused by two proteins in the brain. One is called amyloid, and it forms as little plaques, little little uh, small areas. And the other is called tau, and it causes something called tangles. And it's the amyloid plaques and the tau tangles that destroy the nerve cells and cause memory problems and cognitive decline and dementia. Now, when a person goes to a doctor with a problem, the doctor can kind of test their memory and see how they're doing, but the doctor can't see into their brain and see this amyloid and tau. The doctor can make a kind of an educated uh, assessment and say, well, I think you've got Alzheimer's disease. But in the past, the only way to really make the diagnosis for certainty would be at autopsy. And, of course, then it's way too late. Now, with PET scans, we can detect the amyloid protein, and we can detect the tau protein. So we can see if the person's memory problems are really due to Alzheimer's pathology, or they may be caused by other problems. They may be caused by little strokes. They may be caused by other diseases. Or it may not be a serious problem. Maybe the person is just not getting enough sleep, or they're depressed, and uh, it's a reversible uh, 
reversible problem, not due to Alzheimer's disease. So would the memory problems that you had mentioned to, earlier alluded to in terms of the normal process of aging, there are no amyloids and plaques and tangles to, um, in terms of the normal process of aging. There may be Correct. interruption or problems with your memory, but those findings are what makes this basically a disease entity. Exactly. Normal, as, as we get older, our brains slow down a little bit. It takes us, it takes us longer to, to remember things and to process things. That's a normal process. And forgetting little things about, well, where are, did I leave my keys or, uh, gee, uh, which, uh, which level in the parking garage that I parked my car, this is all part of normal aging. When people start to have a progressive problem, in which you can see from one year to the next it's really getting worse, and you really start to get worried, and that's associated with the amyloid in the tau. Um, at this point, are th those amyloids and the, and, and the tau that you mentioned, are those also present in some other forms of dementia, or is it pretty much limited to Alzheimer's? Well, Alzheimer's disease is associated with amyloid and tau. There are other problems which are associated with just tau alone, uh, you might have heard of this problem that's being picked up in football players. Uh, it's called chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or yeah. CTE. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a disease associated with tau uh, that's associated with traumatic brain injury and concussions. Uh, so there are, and there are other diseases, uh, such as something called frontotemporal dementia, which is caused by tau. And there are other proteins. There's a protein called alpha-synuclein, which is, uh, causes Parkinson's disease, for example. So there are a whole host of different proteins that cause different diseases in the brain, but by far the most common one is Alzheimer's associated with amyloid and tau. Is the hope that what, you've, what you begin to find now over time will actually then affect not only treatment but prevention? Yes. The uh, emphasis in our field is more and more going towards trying to do prevention. And in order to do prevention, you need to do several things. First of all, you need to identify who is at risk and who is not at risk. Because the, the treatments for prevention are probably going to be expensive, and you certainly don't want to treat everybody because there will probably be side effects associated with the treatments as well. So you want to identify people who are at risk, and that's where a better diagnosis comes in, and that's where the PET scanning of amyloids comes in. Um, the... Uh, but right now, most clinical trials are aimed at symptomatic subjects, subjects who have dementia or subjects who have mild cognitive impairment, sometimes called MCI, which is an early stage of dementia, you could say. Uh, and we are also starting some prevention trials. There's uh, at least one major prevention trial going on in the United States right now called A4, going on in about 100 different centers in the United States. And that's in its early stages. It'll take several years. What but are that's they, where we're going. What are they doing in those prevention trials? In that prevention trial, they're giving an antibody against amyloid. I so see. It's, a, it's a protein uh, that is attacks amyloid and pulls amyloid out of the brain. Now, there is a lot of interest in whether or not you could prevent Alzheimer's disease by, let's say, doing more exercise or by exercising your brain more, by playing computer games or by doing challenging things or by diet, by taking more fish oil or vitamins. 
And there is some uh, very, very limited evidence that doing these things uh, prevents Alzheimer's disease. But the evidence is really weak. Alzheimer's disease is a hereditary disorder. Uh, not always hereditary, but it is very hereditary. If you have a parent or two parents or grandparents with a history of Alzheimer's disease, you're more likely to have it. So we know that there are genes for Alzheimer's disease. We can measure those genes, and we can see who's at risk. There are some people, though, who don't seem to have a family history, and they don't seem to have the genes, and they get Alzheimer's as well. So it's, it's complicated. But the hope and it's is... a huge challenge. Oh. Yeah, it's a huge challenge, I guess, and the little bit of time we have left. The hope is that through these kinds of studies, both in terms of monitoring treatments, ongoing treatments today, and also to being able to um, basically identify the people who would be at risk, that you can begin to target more closely what the cause is potentially and the cure could be. Exactly. Exactly. Do you and think, is, right. do you think that you'll find a cure in your lifetime? Or there I will be that, a cure? I think that there will be effective treatments developed in my lifetime. I think there will be effective treatments developed within the next decade. I'm quite optimistic about that. We are seeing some early signs of some effective treatments right now, but they need to be established with very large studies. And these, I should just say, these studies cost sometimes $150 million yeah. to do these big studies. So it's very, very expensive. The pharmaceutical companies make huge investments try these things out, and sometimes they fail. We've, we've had a lot of failed trials. You're involved with one other project I want you to mention before we have to close, and that's the Brain Health Registry. Tell us what it is and why is it important. The big problem, as I mentioned, is to identify people early on. And probably one of the best ways to identify somebody early is to track them longitudinally. That is, to have somebody come back year after year after year and take some tests and see if there's any change. And, of course, this could be very expensive if we ask everybody to come into a clinic and get evaluated every year. So uh, we thought that we could try to figure out a way to do this at a very low cost by using a website. And we set this thing up called the Brain Health Registry. Brain Health Registry. And anybody can go there. I hope your listeners will go to their computers or their mobile devices or their iPads or whatever and look up Brain Health Registry and sign on. It's very, it doesn't cost anything. It's very easy. It's simple. You sign on. You get a password. Your privacy is protected. We ask questions about your health and about your family history. And then there are some tests that are kind of like games. But they're tests of your memory and other functions of your brain. And that gives us some information about how well you're doing. And then in six months, you'll get an email from us saying, please come back to the Brain Health Registry. It's time for a little follow-up visit. And we only ask for about a half an hour of somebody's time a few times a year. We've got 30,000 people enrolled already, and we're really uh, ambitious. We want to enroll millions of people and track them longitudinally, that is, over time. And we think that we will see that some people are going to start to decline and those are the people who we'd like to bring into clinical trials because we think that if somebody, even if they're completely normal, if they have no complaints, if they're starting to show some decline or some change in their uh, uh, neuropsychological functioning, that they may be at the very earliest stage, and that's just when you want to intervene 
prevent them from getting worse and ultimately developing dementia. Well, it all sounds incredibly promising and hopeful, and I laud you for these efforts. I think um, especially as the boomers are aging and the population continues to live longer, we would like to do so in a kind of, you know, with our with our full cognition, <laughs> if possible. Exactly. exactly. This is something that we all, that is the whole population, needs to get together. Uh, the doctors can't do this on their own. We need people to volunteer, join projects, get involved in research. It's very safe. Uh, privacy is protected. And uh, it's a way of giving back a little bit. And especially if we have uh, family members or friends who have dementia or have uh, problems with memory, we can all see the problem, and we need to get it solved. And it's very exciting to be working in this area. Very exciting to hear all about it. Thank you so much for your time and your efforts. So it's the Brain Health Registry. People can go online and find it. And I wish you all the best with this research. It's very exciting. Thank you for your thank, time. My guest thank, has been thank you. my guest has been Dr. Michael Weiner. He's a professor in radiology and biomedical imaging, medicine, psychiatry, and neurology at the University of California, San Francisco. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.